Welcome to Civil Discourse. This podcast will use government documents to illuminate the workings of the American government and offer context around the effects of government agencies in your everyday life. And now your hosts, Nia Rogers, public affairs librarian, and Dr. John Augenbaugh, political science professor. So uh, in a previous uh, podcast episode, um, we talked about uh, the first part of the federal government's budget process, uh, and that is the president's budget. Um, uh, the fact that uh, anytime a president submits a budget, it's basically an 18th, 18-month, year-and-a-half-long process. Um, and where we left off uh, with that particular podcast episode was that the president had finally delivered their budget to the United States Congress. And that's where we are. So now what? OK, my first question is delivered how? Okay. Like, I know they don't print it anymore no. because of the uh, uh, paperwork, paperwork Reduction Act. Uh, which, of 1995. That's right. Which is our I think should be our mascot document since yes. everything comes back to that. So clearly they're not going to print the thing because it's eight trillion pages or whatever. So they're going to send an electronic file. Do they send that to a, to the clerk? Do they send that to, like, Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi? How, who gets the actual file that is the budget? Okay. Um, it typically gets sent to the following individuals. Uh, the Speaker of the House, which currently is Nancy Pelosi. Uh, the Senate Majority Leader, um, uh, Mitch McConnell. Uh, but also the chair's of the quote-unquote budget committees. Uh, In the House, um, there's two committees. Uh, One is a budget committee, and then the other one is the appropriations committee, and likewise in the Senate. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. There's two committees yeah, yeah. that deal with money. Yeah. And I'm sure they get along really well all the time and they have constant agreement and it's all fabulous. Uh, not really. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. So the, 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 the way to conceptualize these two committees is that the budget committee basically will go ahead and set overall amounts, right? So let's say the federal government's budget uh, submitted by the president is, I'm just making this up, guys, right? Um, I have looked at uh, the, the current presidential budget, but I, we're now, like, talking a lot of zeros. So let's say, <laughs> like, I can't remember how many trillions, but let's say the president's budget is $30 trillion. That's a good round number. Okay. I like 30. All right. Now, the first thing um, that e- uh, both houses of Congress are going to do in their budget committees is um, uh, uh, make a decision. Do we agree with the overall amount of expenditures that the president wants to make? And that's the decision of the budget committees, okay? The budget committees will go ahead and decide, yeah, we agree with the president. We should have a federal government budget starting, and you remember when? Um, February 1st. No, no, starting the budget starts October 1st. That's correct. That's right. The federal government's fiscal year begins on October 1st and runs through September 30th. Right? And so it's for the current October 1st, like the one that went in that was supposed to go in February 1st and wasn't too late. Cause, it wasn't too late. Yeah, um, I, mean, you know, I mean, it's not, you know, it didn't come in in the summer or anything. No. So that's for February 2019. The budget that they get is going to start October 2019, like the same year. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay. And so they say, so the budget committee says 30 trillion seems like a good round number to us. We're okay with that. Yes. And then that, at that point, the appropriations committees will then do the hard work of trying to decide how do we divide up that $30 trillion? Oh, so the budget committee pieces out. They're like, okay, we're done. We've given you the amount that yes. you can spend. It's like your parents. Yes. Your parents give you an allowance. <laughs> That's right. And, and then, then they say, you have to figure gonna, out yes. how you're going to allot that over the next week or two weeks or in yeah, however long, long you're going to be. You know, it, uh, it, it, so it, you it, could go for beer and pizza. Well, not beer, because if you're getting an allowance, you're probably not. You're probably not old enough to have beer. Yeah, you could have pizza and coke, right? Or you know, pizza and soda. Okay, yeah. Do you, then, do you do you spend it on candy? Do you spend it on comic books? Do you spend it on? Um, but uh, if you spend it that first day, then two weeks with nothing. Two that's just how that works. That's how it works, right? Okay. Okay, and and as you pointed out. There is a tension between the budget committees and the appropriations committees because the appropriations committees, okay, it's it's a desired committee assignment because you're basically getting to decide who gets the money, right? So um, members, other members of the House or other members of the Senate are going to want you to allocate money that's going to benefit their district and states, right? So that's a lot of authority. If you sit on the appropriations committees, right? So you get schmoozed a lot. Oh my goodness, yes. Right. Do you get schmoozed by lobbyists too? I mean, is yes. that a like lobbyists do so it? So people take you out to dinner all the time <laughs> oh my, and, yes. okay. and tell you how fabulous you are. Yes, and they you like are, your new haircut. And yeah, whatever. you are fabulous. You represent a very important state or district. And <laughs> oh yeah, hey by the way, um, you we, know so, we some, sure could use some of that. In, yeah. Yeah, Tumwa, Iowa. Well, is that where Radar was from? from yeah, Radar O'Reilly <laughs> from MASH. Wow, nice reference. Thanks. Um, <laughs> I actually have a, uh, a MASH T-shirt. It's like one of my. Anyways, I digress. Um, <laughs> so, um, um, so uh, appropriations committee members. This is a desired committee uh, responsibility uh, because um, you get to decide. You know, which agencies get which money, right? And when we talk about the federal government budget, we mentioned this in the previous podcast, but I think it's really helpful for our listeners to understand that there isn't a single budget bill passed by Congress. They actually break it up typically into like 10 to 12 appropriations bills because if they combined it all into one, be really big it would one would be really big and two it would increase the likelihood that the budget would never get passed by congress on time so if you break it if what, because you, people would argue oh yeah people would vote against it's it because it's there's it's something in it they don't like, like that's and, right okay. so if you go that's ahead and break it up and do it in pieces and and they typically do this it's it's by and large subject matter related right so there is just one appropriations bill for defense because it's so big, right? How much of the budget goes to defense? Do you know uh, percentage-wise? Yeah, percentage-wise, it's uh, of recent vintage. And when I say recent vintage, pretty much since uh, the 9-11 attacks, um, it's usually somewhere between 25 to 30 percent of our federal government's budget is for defense. Really? Yes. I mean, it's quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, really, the two biggest categories, budget categories, are um, defense and entitlement spending. Entitlement programs are programs like Social Security or um, welfare 
Medicaid, um, Medicare, med- yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah, and when uh, an entitlement program is basically if you meet certain criteria, you're entitled to receive money from the government. Okay. Right. And so that can also vary because the, when there's high unemployment, more people are getting the unemployment insurance. They're getting they're yes. getting yes. paid unemployment. Yep. Um, but when we're ne- like we are now, where un- unemployment is lower, then that's less costly. That, so some of those costs go up and down, down but a little bit. But you also have but but also some think- costs that stay. Pretty, pretty large, good, right? Good, like you're, you're no offense intended to the old folks who are listening, but your old folk contingent that gets Social Security in currently now is fair, a fairly large number of people, right? Because yeah, that's American a demographic society, issue. Yeah, yeah, American society is growing, right? I mean, most Western democracies are getting older. So if you have an entitlement program like, for instance, Social Security, you basically know that uh, the expenditures, the outlays are only going to increase because your population is getting older and is meeting the eligibility requirements to receive money from that program. And, and that's the thing. Most Western democracies, the United States isn't any different than pretty much almost any other Western developed democracy. Our entitlement spending has increased um, roughly, you know, in the last 50 to 60 years. We have created more entitlement programs. If you think about, for instance, the Affordable Care Act, it basically says all Americans are entitled to health care. Question is, who's going to pay for it, right? So, you know, if um, uh, uh, you are poor and your employer doesn't offer you health care, okay, well, then you are entitled to receive a subsidy from the federal government. Oh, to encourage you to get, get health care. That's right, okay? Okay. Um, we have other kinds of entitlement programs. Uh if you think about, for instance, um, uh, uh, f- uh, subsidized student loans, if you meet certain criteria, because we have the program, you're entitled to a loan that is subsidized, that is protected by the federal government. Okay? That costs money. Right. right? So if you combine defense and entitlement spending, that's nearly. 60% of the federal government's budget. Wow. Yes. So that's a huge... And, 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 and here's the thing. Nobody's ever run for Congress saying we're going we're gonna to cut defense. And with entitlement programs, usually they create stakeholders who say, you can't cut my program. Well, yeah. I mean, okay. yeah. I think we've discussed the power of the AARP for in previous y- yeah. instances okay. and, and other groups that are... Yeah. Um, that are interested in making sure that that their particular they're, uh, their constituents, their members, thank yeah, you, yeah, are, their members, are protected. Yeah, they are, are protected. I mean, and, and again, we could have a debate about whether or not you know what needs to change in regards to Social Security because you know at some point we're going to have a demographics issue, right? We're going to have uh, too many uh, uh, people entitled to receive benefits from Social Security and not enough younger people paying into it, we can have that discussion. But, you know, think about all those Americans who have worked for decades paying into the system, and they basically have been promised by the government what's going to be waiting for them when they hit retirement age, a check from Social Security. 
So if we don't deliver on that, there's yeah, we, we there, there's yeah, some pretty extreme um, yeah, we, uh, we, outcomes. For yeah, that. yeah, we have a government trust issue. Okay, a huge government trust issue. And in the previous podcast, we talked about how if you think about the government budget, it's a statement of priorities. When the president submits their budget, the president is saying, here are my priorities, right? Then Congress gets a whack at it. Congress then gets to go ahead and say to the president and to the country, uh, well, here are our priorities. Okay, so so that's a philosophical oh, sure. difference, sure. obviously, between the White House and the Congress. And Congress, sure. But the Congress actually controls the purse strings That's in the correct. sense of yes. the president can say all he wants. Um, I want a budget with, I, I want, I don't know, let's just make up a number. Let's just pretend that he says this year I want the, the defense budget to be $800 billion or whatever it is which turns out to be in the overall percentage, I don't know, now I'm lost in the math, but but so let's say he ups it to 40%. They can take that back down to 40%, sure. yes. back down to previous year spending yeah. with no, like they don't have to go back to him and negotiate. Well, I mean, well, or they, do they? You know, they, they do, because though Congress controls the budget, the president still has to sign it. So it's much like how a bill becomes a law. <laughs> ne- dream killer. Dream killer. <laughs> yeah, childhood ne- dream killer. <clears throat> yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead yeah. there. Nina just rolled her eyes at me. <laughs> I did. Because <I> <laughs> she's like. Um, yeah, oh. Aren't you getting your business cards made up, John? Dream killer. <laughs> Augenbaugh, right? But it, so it's multiple bills. Okay. Okay. Uh, appropriations bills have to first go through the House. That's actually in the Constitution. Uh, the framers wanted the People's House of Congress, the House of Representatives, to start the budget process, right? So uh, the House of Representatives will act first in terms of passing appropriations bills. Then it goes to the Senate. Now, if there is a different, if there is, uh, 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 if there are significant differences between the House appropriation bills and the Senate appropriation bills, then they create a joint committee. And we talked about this in a previous podcast, right? Then there's a joint committee to iron out the differences. By the way, if I had to venture a guest, we're going to see the creation of a joint committee uh, with this year's budget because the House is controlled by the Democrats. The Senate's controlled by the Republicans. When President Trump submitted his budget, Almost immediately, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi went ahead and said, "This budget doesn't work for us." <laughs> she hadn't even read it because I know. Oh, I mean, it, it's huge. Oh, it's the huge. Summary is 150 some, some pages. pages, right? That's the summary. That's the executive summary. I okay, mean, I, I, I read know. the executive summary, and then I, and then I do, uh, then I read the rest of the budget, like I tell my students to read books that I sign them skip and skim right (laughs) and even that took like an entire afternoon the speaker of the house has other more important stuff than to read every single line of the president's budget which brings me to a question okay okay so before before we get to joint committees and all that kind of stuff so you have the appropriations committee and they get this ginormous this ginormous budget yeah so then they start parsing it and pulling it out yeah they break it into 10 
Um, 10, 12 10, bills. 12, yeah. 10 or 12 bills. So are they arguing at the line item level? Are they arguing at sort of the broad, okay, well, we like NASA. Let's give NASA, you know, $580 million or whatever. Like, the answer do, is, do they get to tell NASA how to spend all the money that they get? They could, but typically they don't. It's you, It's actually somewhere in between the two poles that you just described. Okay. Okay. Um, Congress hardly ever tells an agency, um, we see you have a line item for um, a half a million dollars for copying. Uh, we're going to cut that to a quarter of a million. Congress hardly ever gets to that level of specificity. Occasionally, Congress will, if they are upset, disappointed, angry with a particular agency. Oh, okay. Uh, all right. Uh, so, and again, you know, we, so like, we, we can use the analogy. Come on over here, Department <laughs> of Agriculture. We've decided to go through your budget line right, by right line. line right? Okay. Okay. And, and again, the analogy to, you know, children with their parents, okay, uh-huh. uh, is appropriate. Because okay, I don't know about you, but I know with my mom, um, if I spent money un- unwisely in the future, uh, my mother's um, level of oversight increased dramatically. Yes. Right. Yes. On the other hand, if I, like I did the level of oversight. oversight. On I the like other the hand, if I that. if I did something really like smart with money, my mom will would be less committed to the oversight. Right? It might actually give you more. That's right. She might reward you, you for more, good behavior. Uh, uh, so uh, you yes. could conceivably come back. The Congress could conceivably come back and reward a, an agency with more money. Yeah. Well, not reward, but they could give more well, money. Well, well if, I mean, in, in some if ways, it, if they see a need it, it, or, or if yeah. they see it's a, a it's particularly a well done administration of the previous budget, they might say, okay, you know what? You've asked for more money, but you really well spent the last money we gave you. We'll actually give you more money this time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean. So Congress is all of the agency's parents. Sure. Okay. And in this appropriations process, the appropriations committee, uh, first the chair and then the ranking member will decide which agencies they want to come and uh, testify at hearings, right? So just to give you an example, uh, the federal judiciary uh, makes a request of the United States Congress for money to operate all the federal courts. A couple weeks ago, two members of the U.S. Supreme Court basically had to go in front of a joint appropriations committee hearing uh, to go ahead and justify the request that the, you know, ju- the, the, the judicial branch made in the federal budget. Uh, the two justices were um, Elena Kagan and Sam Alito. And, and for a geek like me, this is like, this is high entertainment, right? <laughs> Okay, and it was on. First to, of all, that sounds like a comedy duo, Kagan and Alito. Yeah, yeah, right? like, right, yeah, right, right, like, yeah, yeah, right. Like the next comedy hour kind of show. I'm and, and, not, and, not to insult justices. They no, are but not, I mean, they're not you, comedians. But, but, but you can tell they. That's, it, not, it, a, that's it, not an insult, really. But it's a it, it, it's awkward for them for because they, they they don't testify in their robes. 
I was okay. going to ask you, <laughs> no, did no. they wear their robes? <laughs> no, no. So there they are in street clothes. Yeah, yeah. That's have, weird. Yeah. And, and, like, and, I don't know that I've seen Elena Kagan without a rope. Like, yeah, I mean. Because every time she's in an official portrait or she's in yeah, an official, yeah. she's doing official business. Yeah, right. So, you know, there they are. Okay, in in professional attire. In their mash t-shirts. <laughs> yeah. That would be sweet. <laughs> I see, uh, 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 Justice Alito, that uh, you have a Grateful Dead concert shirt on. <laughs> uh, would you care to explain? Oh, my goodness. Well, you and know, the, the summer of 85. Anyways. <laughs> um, <laughs> that would be awesome. That, that would be awesome, right? But, but, but there they are. Um, and, and they're 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 talking about the budget, and of course, members of Congress use that as an opportunity to talk about other issues. So you know, they explored uh, with both Kagan and Alito. Uh, so um, uh, uh, why don't you guys allow cameras uh, during oral arguments? Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, and, and that's the thing. Congress with appropriations hearings will not only ask about budgets, then they'll ask about programs, activities, so, etc. So this so when your mom gives you your allowance. Sure. And you say, I'm going to the movies and then you come back and all your money's gone. She's like, Well, who'd you go to the movies, movies with? with? Right. Like it, that has nothing to do with the budget that no, she gave you. No. But now she's using that leverage to find out yes. if and you're you know, who you're going to the who you might be seeing, what's going on in your life. You and, and 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 I tell my students this all the time. One of the ways Congress does its oversight function of the executive branch, or in the example we just talked about, the judicial branch, is to use budget hearings because they know, okay, the agencies or the judicial branch want money, all right? And it, it's, it's just like parents. If the parents know you want something from them, that's the leverage they have then to go ahead and explore Anything that they might want to explore with you, right? Yeah, so, oh, what are you, so what are your grades like? like yeah. Wait, what does this have to do with... Yeah, I, 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 I still remember a conversation I had with my mom before my freshman year of high school uh, where I knew I was going to be trying out for the varsity baseball team, right? And I was already told more than likely the head coach was going to not only ask me to play catcher, but also first base. Well, I had a catcher's mitt, but I didn't have a first baseman's mitt. So I there asked are two my... two different mitts in baseball? Yes. Well, there's actually multiple, right? Yeah. Huh. Okay, okay, so there's a catcher's mitt. Okay, it needs to be bigger and softer because they're catching, you know, you know, uh, uh, pitches that might be thrown really fast, Okay. First baseman's mitt needs to be big because throws from the infielders sometimes are a little erratic, okay? <laughs> so you need to have a bigger mitt to catch. Uh, the other infielders want smaller mitts because uh, they want that control function. And then outfielders, well, there's, you know, so there's like four or five different types of mitts, oh, right? Okay. But because I knew I was going to be maybe forced to try out at first base and I didn't have a first baseman's mitt, I said to my mom, hey, mom. You know, could I have some money to get a first baseman's mitt? Well, then, as you just pointed out, she used that as an opportunity to remind me of certain commitments in regards to my grades <laughs> that perhaps I was uh, not spending as much time on, okay, in the recently completed eighth grade. Uh-huh. And I'm like, really? This this is what I need to endure to get this money for this mitt, and as far as my mom was concerned, yes. And then she used it to explore other things, like 
I notice you're hanging out with, you know, so-and-so. And I'm like, oh, you got a problem with them, right? <laughs> and you're not really helping out at you know, helping your sisters out with, you know, various tasks. I haven't, haven't been seeing you mow as often as <laughs> yeah, I <was> right? expecting. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. so it just grows. It like, yeah, this. right? And members of Congress will do the same thing, right? I mean, because in part, this is their opportunity. I mean, agencies are there for money. So they will explore, well, you know, hey, you guys want this amount of money. In the president's budget, you said you need X. We'll use NASA as an example, right? You need this amount of money to go ahead and send a satellite to Mars, okay? <laughs> well, didn't you guys send a satellite to Mars like a couple years ago? I mean, has Mars changed that much in the last two years? Aren't there other planets we might want to explore? Um, and can't we go ahead and outsource this? Are there other countries that perhaps benefit from all the research we do on Mars? Can't we go ahead and get them to pitch in, you know, those slacker, you know, other nations? These are the kinds of questions that get asked, right? And it's all because you're you're going there as an agency and basically saying, yeah, we need this money, right? You know, we have all these people that rely on us to do X. And, 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 and members of Congress are like, okay, so what are we getting for this money we've given you in the past. Well, and in fairness, sure. they're held responsible for that. Sure. Right? Like if you allow massive deficits to grow and you allow all that stuff to happen on your watch, that's going to affect whether you're going to get reelected or not. There's going to be all kinds of things that happen to you if you don't show fiscal responsibility. And the other part of that is some of that is legitimate no, really, oh, I need yeah. to understand why we're doing this thing so that I can defend it to other people, but also so that I just have a better understanding of what we're doing as a government. So I, I can see where they do that, but I can also see where it could get out of hand with, oh, sure. you know, with, and, and, with, and it could get, no, let me, let me scratch that and say not out of hand. It could get partisan Yeah, and, where and, and, you could yeah. be trying to, to pin things on or 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 hide things from other people depending on what you were trying to do and there's a fine line and and increasingly any kind of oversight is perceived by the opposition political party as political this is too political um but as i remind my students um we want the legislative branch to show oversight you know remember we have a system of government that's separate but shared powers. The, the budget responsibility is shared between the Congress and the executive branch. The executive branch is tasked with executing the law. If Congress has delegated authority to the executive branch and given a whole bunch of taxpayer money to the executive branch to do things, don't we kind of want to make sure that the executive branch has done what they've been told to do or what they promised they would do okay and again that's hardwired into our system now you can go ahead and say um, a congress that you know grills a particular agency head is being partisan all right maybe there is some partisanship but at the same time um, it is a system of government that has accountability checks and balances um, you know, written into the system. You know, remember, unless unless this is no longer a value, and you know, and I say this to people, and they're like, "Well, of course, it's still a value." And I'm like, "Okay, well, if unless it's no longer a value, um, holding the other branches of government accountable 
um, is necessary in a democracy because it's a lot of power that they've been given. And if we're giving them citizen money, I mean... Right, that's my money, thank you very much, much. and I want you to spend it properly. Yeah, right. I I mean, I obviously do not pay trillions of dollars in taxes, but I pay my part, and everybody who pays their part has the right to say, hey, I, I want that spent for something appropriate or useful or that's going to benefit us as a nation. Yeah. I don't want that to be spent on junk that isn't going to be yeah, because, in the long term useful to everybody. Yeah, maybe because, you know, Nina, you and I have talked about this um, uh, before uh, we recorded this episode of the podcast and the previous one about the president's budget. There's a lot of things the federal government does that doesn't benefit you, me, or us together, but we know it's good for the nation. Right. It's a it's a public good. Right. Um, But we want to know, well, are we getting, you know, these public goods? Right. Um, If a whole bunch of money is taken out of my uh, paycheck for Social Security. Right. I want to know that somebody is like asking the, you know, the commissioner of the Social Security Administration. Are you guys getting the checks to grandma? Yeah, right. Are they going out on time? Um, are they being delivered properly? Yeah. Um, are they not being delivered to dead people? I mean, are yeah. we making sure they're still alive? You yeah, know, kind of. right. But we do, you and I are both, thank goodness, not yet at the age of of being but, um, uh, yeah, retired. I, yeah, but we just but used that as an we, example. But right, I mean, but, yeah. But we both know people who are. Yeah. We both know people who are older folks, and we would want to see them taken care of because that's yeah. I mean, a, uh, a common good that uh, we both perceive as a common good. Yeah, I mean, if, if the, I I if don't have the, children, yeah. but I f- firmly believe that part of my tax money should go to helping educate children because eventually those children will be the people who will who will run the government, the people who will do all the things in the cities that that do affect me. And I want them to have the best education possible. Like that's a, that's an investment in my future. So well, but well, I want yeah. but I want that money spent wisely. I don't want that I mean sometimes I I wonder sometimes with the local school districts, right? Like how things are being spent yeah. and and a little worrisome so I, I can see where they would want to ask questions and say, why can't we raise teacher salaries? Why can't we, yeah. you know, why can't we have green spaces on these campuses? Why can't we do things that we know help children? Why can't we feed them breakfast, right? Because we know it's better when they eat, that kind of thing. So I see yeah, and I we, see both sides, and I, I agree. Yeah. I'm glad that they that they go over it. I'm, I'm a little amused by the idea that <laughs> that you can – Talk to the Supreme Court about like, well, why don't you have cameras? You know, that seems a little uh, off, not off, hostile, but off, off topic. topic. Yeah, like, but yeah. But if it's the only chance you're going to get yeah, to I ask mean, them yeah. until next year when they come back for money. Yeah, I mean because you know it's not like the Congress can go ahead and say you know to the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, hey, we haven't grilled you in you know four or five months, so you know come on over. Yeah, when you we get have some questions. So, yeah, when you get done with oral arguments next week, come on over so we can go ahead and you know, score some serious political points, right? You know, get on national TV, have some fun at your expense. No, they can't do that, right? They, you know. they have to wait for <laughs> yeah. the opportunity, okay. right? Yeah, right? So their opportunities, they, so, so they've made these bills. And now, so the House makes a set of bills. Does the budget committee in the Senate agree with the budget committee in the House no. about the amount of money? No. 
No. In okay, fact, so I they're not they, even working from the same no, same script amount. Yep. Nope. Nope. So the first There's thing no they guarantee. have to do is figure out well, how have, much yeah, money they're going to yeah. spend. Uh-huh. So that's the first fight they have. Yes. And then they have to take those bills. Bills. Then the appropriations bills. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So so the budget process takes approximately seventeen years. <laughs> Right. Like, I mean, that seems like it's not surprising to me. I think you said in the last episode that not one single budget has ever been delivered by the October 1st deadline. Yeah. Since 1974, when the Congress changed the federal government's fiscal year from uh, July 1st to October 1st, um, um, uh, the United States Congress has never uh, passed. Uh, a complete budget, all the appropriations bills on time. And there's a good reason. I mean, and you just went ahead and pointed this out. You got to get agreement between the two houses. And by the way, while they're negotiating this stuff, right, (laughs) there's always the president looming in the background because the president gets to veto bills. And the president gets to talk to the press in the entire time. time. This is oh, happening, sure. Saying, yeah, I sure hope they don't cut defense because I'm going to be peeved about that. I mean, like he, well, he can just, mention it, his priorities. priorities. Well, I'll just give you a recent ex- regularly. Yeah, an example that happened this week. Right. So eventually uh, the appropriations committees. Um, uh, so, you know, President Trump submitted uh, uh, the president's budget. Which we will link to. Okay. Um, about a month late, which isn't all that unusual. I mean, they got delivered this month, right? The appropriations committees in both houses started to go through the budget with a fine-tooth comb. And they l- reported to the press that uh, the budget for the federal government's uh, contribution to Special Olympics in the United States was being cut by, I think, $17 million, right? So Congress reports this to the press, and, of course, you know, the press has a field day with this. So uh, yesterday, okay, the day before we recorded this particular episode of the podcast, the Trump administration's like, yeah, we're going to go ahead and cover the Special Olympics, right? This is the kind of th- – this is the, the negotiation that occurs, Right. You know, uh, the the president's budget had um, somewhere between eight to nine billion dollars in even more spending on building the wall on our southern border with Mexico. Right. Um, Not only did Speaker of the House Pelosi say, yeah, that's a non-starter, but the (laughs) chair of the Appropriations Committee in the House said, yeah, that's a non-starter. Right. What we haven't heard yet from is the. Uh, chair of the Appropriations Committee in the Senate. Now, the Senate's controlled by Republicans. They're taking their cues more than likely from both Mitch McConnell, but also the president, same political party. At some point in time, okay, all that public negotiation will occur behind closed doors. It'll be real negotiation instead of posturing. Yeah, because right now... They're feeling everybody's driving out there or they're stating out their their, their, their positions. They're, right. they're putting out their positions. Yeah, they wanted to see, you know, uh, when it got leaked to the press, it wasn't leaked. It was actually is, it was in the budget. Is somebody going to fold? Is somebody going to yeah, cave? Right? OK, the Democrats were trying to figure out is, you know, is the cut to Special Olympics um, a big deal? And it was. OK, so now they found out. 
And the president's like, okay, fine. You want to restore funding for Special Olympics? I got no problem with that. But that's $17 million. Do you think that the Republicans on the Senate Appropriation Committee are already, you know, saying to Democrats in the Senate, but eventually Democrats in the House? So where are we going to find that 17, 17 million? million? That's right. Okay. If, if we're all going to say, let's just say that we agree on 30 trillion. That 17 million's got to come from, from somewhere. somewhere. That's right. Um, and, and again, and 17 million <laughs> starting to be money. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, it's you so know, weird to me the amounts <laughs> that yeah, you talk yeah, about yeah, here. Cause, yeah. cause when you, when you say, you know, they're going to, they're going to deal with finding $17 million for special Olympics. I think to myself, I will never see even, uh, even a tiny percentage, percentage of, of that, 17 yeah. million, of trillion, I mean, million dollars. Yeah. Like that's just. I've had former so out of my imagination. Yeah, I've had former students who have worked as staffers for both the House and the Senate Appropriations Committees, and I've gone ahead and said, "Isn't it a little uh, uh, awe-inspiring to be dealing with that much money?" And the, almost all of them, to a person, have said, "Hey, Augie, all we do is just drop the zeros. So it's not seventeen million; it's just seventeen. So it becomes. Well, I guess that would help your mental health. Yeah, 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 trying that, to yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, because the, they're just like you know. A couple of them are like you know, hey, the first couple of months were just like I can't believe that you know, I was in a meeting and they're negotiating over you know five billion dollars, right? And I said, well, how do you get your head around that? They're like, yeah, eventually we just like stop talking about you know millions billions trillions we just talk about num you know 17 or 5 billion you know because you got to get it done right i mean it and and it would be overwhelming if you thought about it in the truest yeah sense of what yeah of what that budget looks like yeah i mean you think about the budget of the united states is i'm assuming significantly larger than the budget of just about any other country on earth besides probably china and russia yeah, but yeah, our uh, the United States uh, federal government budget is the largest in the world. Yes, so, uh, among all nation states. So then yeah. you just kind yeah. of at, at some point yeah. you'd get too mind blown to just yeah. to be able to do any, to be able to function. Yeah. Okay, so <clears throat> so you have your joint committees because you know you're not going to get agreement. Yeah. And the joint committees fight it out and they schmooze it out. Right? There's a combination. I'm sure there's some some velvet glove and then there's some iron fist kind of things that happen. Yeah. Um, and then you get these appropriation bills yes. that have come out of, and then they go back for a vote. Like all bills do, they go back for a vote and the, everybody's on board. Cause everybody says, dang it, you better sign it. Cause we worked for seven months on this thing. <laughs> yeah. Right. And the money runs out next week or whatever. And then, and then it goes to the president yes. and barring truly egregious changes to the president's overall, vision he's probably going to sign it yeah i mean because or sign them uh, yeah. i should say not it because there's a them so do we get shutdowns and kicking the can down the road when we can't get that joint committee to agree on what to spend or how to spend money or yeah the, the, there are a couple couple of variables that have led to the government shutdowns that we've seen well, oh, wait let me back up and ask you a separate question sorry to interrupt you but no, that's okay right. so op, og, excuse me october 1st rolls around yeah it's been seven months they still haven't come to an agreement yeah does the government just not spend money uh no uh typically what happens um 
if the appropriations committees um, uh, have concluded that they're not on the same page. And, you know, they've, they've put together a joint committee and they're like, hey, we can't get to agreement here. They will let the speaker know and the Senate majority leader. So the speaker of the House, the Senate majority leader, and also the president. At that point, then, the discussion about the next fiscal year's budget turns to something more immediate, which is, all right, uh, can we come to an agreement on just continuing to fund the government? And what I'm talking about is what's known as a continuing resolution. Uh, and, and those who work in Congress refer to it as a CR, a continuing resolution. Um, and continuing resolutions basically are uh, short-term funding bills that uh, fund agencies at their current amount of funding. Oh, okay. Okay. So they yeah. have some measure of budgeting, budgeting because they know roughly yeah. okay. how much, whatever they got last October, they're going to get this, this October, October or yeah. until there's a new, new, new bill. Yeah, a new appropriations bill. Okay. Right? But that used to be commonplace. So in the 1970s and 80s, okay, that used to be commonplace. In the 90s, when there was uh, the government shutdown, when uh, President Clinton and um, uh, the Republican-controlled Congress, in particular the House led by Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, th they played high-stakes poker with one another, and it led to the government shutting down because the Republicans were like, we're not passing a continuing resolution, and President Clinton was like, well, if you guys don't, you send me a, a, an appropriations bill that has this stuff in it, I'm not signing it. I'm going to veto it. And the government shut down. Was that the first time? Uh, that, had been, that had been the first time in decades. Okay. Yes, yeah. So th that just yeah, was, was not a thing, thing. and yeah. now it's Now it's become much more common. Yeah, it's, it's become more commonplace because we had uh, two in the Obama administration, two government shutdowns. We've already had one in the Trump administration. Which was remarkable because the one that is that occurred in the Trump administration is when both houses of Congress were controlled by the Republicans, right? Usually, you see these government shutdowns about the budget because one house of Congress is of a different political party than the president. So we would we should not be surprised if there is another shutdown. Yeah, it, given it would, the current makeup of the, Congress. Congress, yeah, um, okay, yeah, it wouldn't shock me. Okay particularly because the president's budget and what the House Democrats have already said about it, it would not shock me. Okay. It would not but shock me. But that wouldn't happen until the fall. That's right. Because there's a current yeah. Yeah. There's a current budget the that budget, takes us through October. That's right. Okay. Yep. Yep. So they have seven months to work out their differences. Yes, they do. Yes. Um, and they might. We can be optimistic. We can be optimistic. But also, also recognize this. There are other imperatives that may intervene. So, for instance, we know historically that most members of Congress leave Washington, D.C. in the summer uh, to go home and do campaigning and constituent work. Yeah, I think we, we decided that summer in Washington was not a good, yes. what, hot and humid summer in Washington, yeah, yeah. not so and, not yeah, so. And, and yes, the, ca the Capitol has air conditioning. But, <laughs> I mean, you know, hey, it's a government town. And at right. some point in time, even, you know, even those who are working, you know, 50, 60, 70 hours a week, 
they need a break. Right. And they do it in the summer. Um, well, and, and their constituents are home in the summer, summer because if they're parents, their kids are are not in school, cool. so it's a good time to kind yeah. of meet people and have town halls and, yeah. um, and figure out what your constituency wants. So we know that um, with this budget process <laughs> that um, not all the— not all the appropriations bills are going to get passed by October 1st. I mean, it would really shock me if it happened with the current congre- you know, congressional makeup in terms of parties and uh, 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 the, the president being of the opposition party compared to the House of Representatives. So we know that. Um, we also know, too, that with the, the partisanship that we have discussed in this podcast— that other political commentators and scholars have talked about. Um, you know, the budget process for Congress used to go more smoothly because of things like earmarks. Congressional earmark is where a member of Congress would convince the Appropriations Committee that a, spe- a specific project in that member of Congress's district or state needed to be funded. And the funding would be as specific as uh, VCU is going to get, you know, $1 million to study X. Platypus. Yes, right? The platypus. Right. Um, My favorite thing to study. um, You know, the classic example uh, was, what was it? Ah, uh, the year of Hurricane Katrina. Um, oh, my. Okay. Are you going to talk about Pam? No, I'm going to talk about the bridge to nowhere. Oh. Okay. Because they ran a scenario like six weeks before Katrina that was Katrina. Yeah. Which is Hurricane Pam. Yeah. Um, and I used air quotes. Sorry, I used air quotes podcast just because you can't really see those. But so Hurricane, bridge to nowhere. Uh, the, yeah, the bridge to nowhere. Uh, so... Um, uh, before Hurricane Katrina hit, um, a number of appropriation bills had already been passed and been signed by the second President Bush. Uh, one of the appropriations bills was the Transportation Appropriations Bill. And in that was a specific earmark for the state of Alaska. It was put in there by Senator Ted Stevens. Uh, may he rest in peace. A much-beloved senator of Alaska. Yes, uh, multiple term. I was going to say, he served forever, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, like five, six, yeah, five, yeah, easily, I mean, yeah, easily six or seven terms, right? A long time. He had placed in the Transportation Appropriations Bill funding for uh, a bridge uh, for uh, Nowhere, Alaska. There's actually a, a community called Nowhere. This bridge... <laughs> Where do you live? Nowhere. <laughs> okay. That's awesome. awesome. right? This would be a bridge that would connect one of the villages with another village. And it affected maybe 10 people. Right? But he justified it as this would be, uh, would contribute to economic development in Nowhere, Alaska. Because without the bridge, there would be very... It would be uh, very difficult for the people of one village to interact with the people in the other village. And again, Alaska is very rural, so you know you need things like bridges to connect people, right? right? Hurricane Katrina hits, 
And uh, the states of Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama need a whole bunch of federal relief money. And FEMA was like, hey, our coffers are dry. Whatever you guys funded us for this fiscal year, we've already spent for other natural disasters. And by the way, we didn't ask you to ask you in the current budget for something like Katrina. Right. So a, a level five hurricane Katrina, that's yeah. gonna hit a major, major city. city major city, you know. And then the levees and the yeah, whole yeah, thing. Yeah, it's just right. everything. So the House and the Senate um, uh, uh, do uh, uh, an appropriations bill, a short-term appropriations bill to give FEMA some money. And basically, almost every member of the House and every member of the Senate gave up earmarked projects that would benefit them, either in their district or their state, to come up with this pot of money that then FEMA could then reallocate to help out the residents of Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. Senator Stevens said, "Uh uh-uh, not going to do it. He goes, I got this money, and my my citizens are just as important as the citizens of Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. Wow. And it raised this huge stink about earmarks. And at so what you saw was Congress pass legislation to discourage the use of earmarks. But earmarks used to be one of the ways to grease the appropriations process. Oh, yeah. You give me an earmark. I give you an earmark. So when you say, I want to give the Defense Department 78% of the budget, and I say I want to give them 30% of the budget, we have a reason to work together, together that's right. to come to a compromise. Yeah. Because we yeah. both have things in the bu- in the a bill that we want. Yes. That we're going to help each other, other get. Get, right. Okay. So, you know, Nia, you say... You know, I want $5 million to, you know, study uh, the platypus. And I say I want $5 million to go ahead um, and, you know, um, uh, uh, study the uh, the making of baseball mitts, right? <laughs> and, and you're like, I don't I don't care about baseball. And I'm like, I don't care about platypus. You know, what's the plural? Platypi. Platypi, right? I think. Okay. But that's what we're going to say. Okay. But you know it's important to me. Right. And I know it's important to you. And I'm like, well, you know, hey, five million in a, you know, in a budget that's got 30 trillion. OK, whatever. Right. But the good, you know, the, the, the balanced budget, you know, folks, the, the, the folks who are like, you know, the federal government needs to have a balanced budget are like, hey, all these earmarks add up. It adds up to deficit spending. We need to get control of this. So they get rid of this. Well, now you got members of Congress who are like, oh, you're not going to go ahead and fund my study of platypi that would benefit my local university? Well, then to heck with your baseball Both mitts. That's right. And I don't care if Rawlings uh, 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 Sport Corporation, who makes a whole bunch of mitts, happens to have their headquarters in your district. Sorry, pal. Okay. Now, all of a sudden, you got people who are, like, fighting with one another, whereas in the past, the budget... Okay, was a way for people to uh, come together. Hence, why we get shutdowns in the nineties, yes. and that's because we're starting to lose that. Yeah, although Katrina was two thousand five. Five, but nevertheless, but, okay, that. So that's why it's become so much more contentious than it was. Uh, yeah. Okay, and uh. and again, and and I, 
and, and I do this when I teach public policy, right? I usually take a local government budget or a state government budget, and it's like in a nice little pie chart. And I say, okay, guys, okay, you know, if we take this amount of money out, all right, it will help us balance this government's budget. That's a good thing, right? And they're like, yeah. And I said, oh, but if we decrease this amount of money, say, for local law enforcement, look at the effect it's going to have on these communities. Right. And then all of a sudden, some of the students are like, but I live in those communities. Oh, so you don't. So what are you willing to give up? And they're like, well, I don't, you know, uh, I'm young, so I don't need programs for the elderly. I said, oh. So you don't have any grandmothers and you don't have grandfathers. You don't have any elderly uncles. You don't have any parents who are close to retirement age. Oh, no, yeah, I do. And I said, oh, okay. Right. Everything touches someone. Someone. So, I mean, yeah. If it were that simple, they could just cut out the things that don't matter. Yeah. But they matter to someone. They matter to a lot of someones. Yeah. And those someones vote. And those someone's are citizens, and they should have their their needs met as much as any other citizen. I mean, I hear I actually it's sad to me because I hear what um, Senator Stevens was saying about my constituents are just as important. I think it was a little short sighted considering the amount of destruction and death that oh, happened sure. from Katrina. but but I also in part understand him saying, but that's my that's my job my job isn't to worry about the people in Louisiana and Mississippi and Texas and, you know, whatever. In Alabama, yeah. In Alabama, my, my job, job is, is to, to worry about the people in Alaska. Yeah. And, and one, if and, and, I want the people in Alaska to feel represented, I have to stay the course. And one of his biggest defenders on the Senate floor was a senator from the opposition party, Senator Robert Byrd, a Democrat <gasps> from West Virginia, who was just like, no, I agree with my colleague, okay, uh, uh, Senator Stevens, because Robert Byrd was known, and he, again, he was in the Senate for a long time, he was known for being the king of pork. I mean, he brought a lot of projects to the state of West Virginia, a state, by the way, that without federal government spending, okay, their, that state's economy would have been even worse because that was a state that relied on coal mining. Okay? So for Robert Byrd, um, federal government spending helped ease okay the, the 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 economic decline in his state. He 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 gets reelected a, a number of times because you know the citizens of West Virginia are like this guy's looking out for us, right? Okay, and same with Senator Stevens. That's I'm sure right. You okay. get reelected in part because you're seen as being responsive to your local constituents and to what their yeah. needs are. Um, Abigail Spanberger just recently said uh, she needed to be responsive to the people in her district who are more on the conservative side, even though she, I think, she, identifies she's a, Democrat, doesn't yeah, she? She's a, she's a, yeah. But she's very moderate because yes. she her district is very moderate. It's very— Yeah, and in, in one of our future uh, podcasts, we're going to take a look at, you know, more than likely, um, the difficulties both political parties have going forward— because, you know, you can't just go ahead and say the Democratic Party is on, only made up of, of liberals or progressives or whatever. Abigail Spanberger represents a district that has, you know, uh, Western Henrico County, parts of Goochland, et cetera. 
it is a conservative, you know, it, it's a it's a, 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 cons- a more conservative district than, say, for instance, the district that Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi represents in San Francisco. Right. Right. So they have different needs. Needs. That's right. Likewise, in, in the Senate, Senators uh, uh, Mark Warner and Tim Kaine, OK, Virginia senators, OK, they represent a state that has a, a, a very high percentage of the state's gross domestic product uh, tied to uh, or based on federal government defense spending. So anytime they hear usually their colleagues in the Democratic Party who say, well, we need to cut, cut back on defense. Okay. They say, oh, no. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, wait a minute here. Let's, let's talk about <laughs> but this. Let's talk about this. Don't we, you know, national security is important. Right. Right. Likewise, the state of California. California has even a higher percentage of its state uh, uh, gross domestic product tied into federal government defense spending. You wouldn't think about it in terms of California, but California has a whole bunch of bases. Okay, the different you know branches of the military are well represented throughout that state, and both of their senators are Democrats, and neither one of them okay has spoken against. Let's shrink the defense budget request of President Trump. So the budget, in many ways, could okay, and particularly in the past when you had earmarks, when you had more quote unquote pork barrel spending. Okay, was a way to bring members of Congress of the uh, of both political parties together. But you get rid of pork barrel spending, you get rid of earmarks. And then all of a sudden, people who used to like to cooperate with one another are like, whoa, 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 whoa. You cut that. You're harming me. So I'm not going to help you. I'm not going to help you. And. You know, and it the, hasn't changed the deficit situation either. Has no, it? no. I mean, so, <laughs> I mean, so it, this it, was just the all bad channel. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, guys. And, and you know, Nia's like, yeah, he's just crushing another one of my dreams. You know, the the budget. And again, if you think about it in your own personal life, okay, uh, discussions about budgets, about spending, etc., they're difficult. It's made worse when you think about the federal government's budget is about taking everybody's money and then making decisions on how to spend everybody else's money. I mean, it's taxpayer oh, money. Yeah, I, think, I think that money is the number one cause of divorce, divorce in this country. Yes. Which, so, I mean, if you just look at it that way, then the budget is just a, a, that times about $8 trillion. I mean, it's no wonder we can't yeah. get along. Yeah, it's we no can't wonder get along, we, right? We're, we're basically having a slow-motion giant divorce. Yes. Okay, well, on that happy note, (laughs) um, we're going to wrap up for this episode. Thank you so much for explaining the congressional budget. Oh, thank you. And uh, I feel certain we'll come back to these topics soon. You've been listening to Civil Discourse, brought to you by VCU Libraries. Opinions expressed are solely the speaker's own and do not reflect the views or opinions of VCU or VCU libraries. Special thanks to the workshop for technical assistance. Music by Isaac Hobson. Find more information at guides.library.vcu.edu discourse. As always, no documents were harmed in the making of this podcast.